Welcome. 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 Welcome to Batavia Covenant Church. We are the Westlow family. Uh, there are, we'll be performing a coordinated reading of God's Word today, and the first Old Testament reading uh, will be done by Eli. It is Micah 6 8, found on page 903 of the church. Bibles, or our page. Uh, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And the New Testament reading is from Matthew 5, chapters, uh, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. No, yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecute because of righteousness, for theirs, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's good to be together in worship today, isn't it? We are uh, we're in the middle of a bit of a mini-series uh, where the lectionary is taking us to the Gospel of Matthew uh, this season before Lent begins. Lent's the season for preparation for Easter, but we're not quite there yet. Last week we heard about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Pastor Michelle shared about how Christ was uh, walking, uh, he left Nazareth and he went to Galilee, the backwoods, the backwaters, the place where no one wanted to be. Uh, and, and he preached to the Jews and to the in Gentile cities as well, and, and he came to bring healing of every kind, physical, spiritual, emotional healing. He set free those who were, who were captive to sin and to demon, demon possession, and Jesus did some pretty incredible things. And then he came alongside the Sea of Galilee, and he invited a few fishermen, run-of-the-mill, your average Joe, to come, follow me, learn how to do what I do. Come, I will make you fishers of men. You'll no longer just live uh, for sustenance and for provision, but you'll live to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, you can imagine what it would have been like to be one of these disciples. Not everyone got invited to be a follower, a disciple of a rabbi, and certainly not these guys. They were too old. They weren't important enough. They weren't religious enough. But Jesus says, I want you to follow me. And they saw incredible things happen. They saw healings and miracles, and, and they heard his teachings, which were teachings with authority, which were unlike anything that the people had heard from the scribes and religious leaders at the time. The disciples listened to Jesus speak many times. 
And I wonder what it would have been like to have your worldview changed upside down by the teachings of this incredible rabbi. So today we're in Matthew chapter 5. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is an incredible, incredible message that Jesus gave, probably gave on multiple occasions, but at least on this one occasion, gave this extended teaching. Scripture says that he saw the crowds laid up and he went up on a mountainside and he sat down probably along the Sea of Galilee. Water in the background and the crowds came and scripture says his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he began to say some pretty radical, incredible things. Things that don't make much common sense if you've lived in this world for more than a minute. And yet, Jesus was preaching the truth. So we're going to dive into that. Over these next few weeks, we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're talking about the Beatitudes, uh, where Jesus launches into this upside-down kingdom and tells us what it's all about. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these contrasts, but I need the kids' help. So if you are here, if you are a kid of any age, from 3 to 93, come on up and, uh, and join me up front, as long as you can sit on the floor and then get back up. That's the only. <laughs> Come on up, kids. Let's, let's get started. We need your help to understand this passage. There's space in the front row if, if you still want to come forward. We're not going to send anyone away. Okay, let's sit right here. Let's sit right here. I need my special bag. Okay, 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 okay. Perfect. Awesome. Are there any other kids in the house today? Come on up. Come on up. I'm actually going to need a lot of helpers today. So there, there are some roles to play. Come on and join me up here. Todd's coming too. That's great. Oh, oh, you're headed out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so kids, I have a question for you. And I wonder if you, can, if you can answer this for yourself. Have you ever thought before, man, if I just had this, or if I was just this, then life would be really good. Can you think of that? What, what's that thing that you want to have or want to be that you think, man, life would just be amazing if I just had this or if I was just like this? Any ideas? Any ideas? Christmas just happened, right? Were there any gifts that maybe you saw in the store and you're like, man, if I just had that toy, then life would be amazing. I'd be able to play with it. Maybe it was a remote control, uh, remote control uh, car or something, right? I, I could drive it down the street. All my friends, we could have a great time together. Anything like that? No, nothing at all. You guys just love life. That's good. Well, maybe I'm just preaching to myself today, but... Uh, <laughs> At least I'll hear the message. So, so let me tell you, by the time I got into fifth grade, this is what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had teachers who had convinced me that I could do this. I wanted to be the next Bill Gates. I was going to be the owner of a giant uh, technology company, and I was going to make tons of money. And I was going to have whatever I wanted and for myself, but then I could also be kind and generous to other people too. And life was going to be really good because I'd be rich and I'd be famous and, and I'd be able to make things happen. I wanted to be Bill Gates. Now, I have some other questions for you, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I just want you to think on this, and I want everyone here in the house to think on this here today, too. When you grow up, or someday in the future, for those of you who are already grown up, do you want to be rich or poor? Just think about it. Do you want to be rich or poor? 
Next question. When you grow up, do you want to be famous or not famous? No? Do you want to uh, be a winner or not a winner? Anyone? Do you, do you want to be uh, in charge or do you want to not be in charge? Okay. Seems we have consensus up here in front, maybe uh, out there as well. Uh, yeah, if, these are kind of no-brainers, huh? And they are if we're thinking from the world's perspective. But Jesus has another way for us to think about this. Now, I need seven volunteers. So uh, let's, uh, oh man, uh, oh, how am I going to choose one, two? Let's do that. I'm, come on up. Come on up. And we're just going to stand across here. And I have some things for you here that we are going to talk about. So, yep, come on up. Find some. Come on up here. Yep, and come on up, man. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, let's spread out a little bit. Fantastic. So, let's see. Let's see. Uh, in today's world, things are really good for people who are rich, who have a lot of money. Here, hold this out for us, Autumn. Show everybody. Things are really good for people who are rich, aren't they? You know why? Because if you're rich, you can buy what you want, right? You can buy what you need. You can even be kind and generous to other people. Things are really good for people who are rich. In the world today, people, life is really good for people who are happy, isn't it? In this world, life is good for people who are happy because life is good. You feel good. Life is good. Life is good in this world for people who are strong. Who wants to pump the weight this morning here? Oh, okay, we'll go here. Perfect. Yeah, pump that weight. Build some strength. Life is good for people who are strong. Why is life good for people who are strong? Any ideas? Because they can, they can lift heavy things. They, maybe they can protect themselves if they get into trouble. They can take what they want, maybe from people who aren't quite as strong as them. Life is good in this world for people who are smart, for people who study and learn and get straight A's and study Greek and Hebrew, right? Yeah. Life is good for people who are smart because they get to go to college, get good jobs. It's really good in this world for people who are really good looking, who wants the sunglasses, who want, here we go. Put on the sunglasses. Life is good for people who are really good looking. Why? Because you'll be famous. You'll, you'll get your picture in magazines and you'll get to be in movies. And, and life is good when people know who you are, when you're looking good on the outside. Life is sometimes really good. And I'm not telling you to do this. But in this world, life is really good sometimes for those who cheat. Do you know why? Because they win all the prizes. They win all the prizes. Here, Jessica, put these on. They win all the prizes. They can take what they want. They win all the games and they get the places of honor. Life in this world is really good for grown-ups, right? Life is good for grown-ups because they're in charge. This is a planner. They get to make all the plans and make things happen, like go to Disney World, bring friends with you, buy lots of pizza and other things, right? Life is good when you are in charge. This is the way life kind of works, isn't it? Well, Jesus has some very, very different ideas for us. Let me tell you about those ideas. Jesus says that life is actually good, not for the rich, but for those who are poor. Can you hold your hands? 
Can you hold your hands out like this, Autumn? Yep, perfect. And just stay right there. Life is actually good for those who are poor. Why? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke says, uh, in Luke he says, blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is theirs. Jesus actually says that in, this, in, in his kingdom, when, when the kingdom of God is here, when God is in charge, life is actually good for those who mourn, for those who are really sad. Why? Because God will comfort them. Life is good, uh, not necessarily for the strong who can take what they want, but is good for the meek. Why? Hold out your hands like this. Because God will fill them and give them everything they need. Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. Life is not good for those who know everything, but good for those who know that they don't know everything, right? Because they belong in God's world. You're happy about that, huh? Hold out your hands, Micah. Hold out your hands. Life is not good for those who are beautiful on the outside, Jesus says, but it's actually good for the pure in heart, for those who are beautiful on the inside, because they will see God. Life is good for those uh, not who are in charge, but those who obey what God has to say. And Jesus actually says that they're the ones who will be in charge in the end. Life is not good for those who cheat and who get all the honors for themselves. But Jesus actually says, and this is kind of crazy, life is good for those who are cheated, for those who don't get justice. Why? Because God will give them justice, and God will make all things fair and right in the end. This is pretty different than the way we normally think about life, isn't it? Yeah? Anyone? Adults too? Yeah, Jesus says his kingdom is a different kind of place. A place where we not, don't take what we want, but we hold out our hands trusting that God will give us what we need. And we find that he can actually redeem everything in this world that is broken and not right. Let's give a round of applause to our friends up here. You guys did a great job. You can go back down and have a seat. Awesome. So here's what I have for you, a little project for you today, kids. We are going to um, give you a piece of paper. Patty has them here for us. And, uh, and at the top is one of these beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor, or it goes well for those who are poor. Rejoice if you are poor, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. So what I want you to do in this box is think about the kingdom of God. What is life like in the kingdom of God? What's life like when Jesus is in charge, when God is in charge? Now, parents, you might need to help your kids with this, but I want you to draw a picture of what life is like in God's kingdom, okay? Now, this might be a picture of, um, you could think about something in this world that would be different in God's kingdom. Uh, you could just draw a picture of, of the goodness and the beauty. I, I'm not sure how you might do that, but... Um, uh, you could draw something that's not in the world and then cross it out, that's something that's not going to be in, in God's kingdom. Does that sound good? You got some ideas, parents? We good? You can help, help them with this? All right. Let's make sure everybody got one. I think we need one more up here for Tyler. Awesome. And I'm going to ask you to bring these back forward at the end, okay? So head back to your seats.
Man, the Beatitudes take me for a loop every time I read them. Do they for you? Every single time I read them, I'm like, Jesus, are you sure? Because I really don't see that from where I'm standing. Are you sure that your kingdom really is this good place that you say it is? Because I see that the poor and those who mourn and the meek and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness usually end up poor and hungry and still thirsting for God's presence. But Jesus has something else for us to see here. And he wants to jar us out of, of, of the realities we know in this world. I think that we can think of the Beatitudes as kind of a bit of the constitution of the kingdom of God. We've been hearing a lot about the constitution in our news cycles today, haven't we? Uh, in, in a time of presidential crisis and impeachment, what does our country do? We turn back to our founding documents, the things that, that provide the bedrock for, for our life together uh, as, as citizens of the United States. Well, Jesus gives us the, uh, the Beatitudes as a, um, as a constitution. What are those things that are in common, the values, the practices that, that, that are fundamental to life in the kingdom of God? Jesus says, this is, is what I have for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, these are new laws for the kingdom age that Jesus came to inaugurate. We know it's not here in its fullness yet, but he came to start it now. And he says, you who would be citizens of my kingdom, start living according to these things now. Each one of these beatitudes gives us both a, a responsibility and a privilege. The two halves of each one of these sayings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a responsibility here. That we would not seek after wealth as an end, end in itself. Or it, it, poor in spirit, we would not seek after pride as an end in itself. But rather, we would seek to be downwardly mobile. And what is the privilege? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pretty fantastic privilege. Pretty fantastic reward. This, this is both a statement. These uh, beatitudes are statements of what is true in the kingdom of God, but they also call us out. They become our ethical standards, both for how we might posture ourselves, but how we might get involved with God's work in the world. So if God is comforting those who are brokenhearted, if God is comforting those who mourn, we as the people of God are called to do the same. You see what I'm saying? Responsibilities and privileges. It'd be, really, it'd be a real bummer if each one of these just said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Because the second piece is, shows us the beauty and the goodness that God has in store for us. What God gives us is so worth it. This is where we will truly find life. So I want to read through these today uh, and, and, and look at how they, these uh, Beatitudes invite us to posture ourselves differently than the world tells us we should be. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, that, that is the humble, the lowly, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They long for it, for they will be filled. These first four Beatitudes talk about our posture toward God. 
We are poor in spirit toward God. We mourn, looking for God's comfort. We are meek, not looking to exalt ourselves, but trusting that God will exalt us. And we come to him longing and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and justice, trusting that he will fill us. These first four beatitudes uh, have a common thread through them. It's a thread of dependence. Oh, this is so countercultural to our world today. We don't like to be dependent. We like to be independent. We want to be able to trust what we have in ourselves to provide for ourselves. But Jesus says the place you're actually going to find life and what abundant life actually looks like in my kingdom is a posture of dependence. Because every one of these uh, commands has a, um, well, the third, second, third, and fourth has a passive verb in it. They will be comforted. They will, they will inherit the earth from someone. They will be filled. Who's the one who's doing all that? It's God himself. That's the promise he makes us when we enter into his upside-down, downwardly mobile kingdom. Let's look at the next four uh, Beatitudes into the end of this passage What does Jesus say? The first half was our posture toward God, generally. The second is our posture toward others, more more or less. um, Let's read those together. Verse 7 here. Blessed are the merciful, those who are merciful to others, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, that that is, those who are morally upright, those who are single-minded in their devotion to God and the things of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then Jesus takes it another step. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice when those things happen. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It can be exhausting to live the way that Jesus says we're called to live in the kingdom when we're still living in this world. Peacemaking is exhausting work. I don't know if you've ever tried to be about peace in a world that's usually determined by conflict and war. It's an exhausting posture to take. But Jesus invites us to a different posture. In this world, the violent take peace from the world in order to build their own kingdoms. That's what they do when they insert conflict and violence. But peacemakers bring God's peace into the world to build God's kingdom. Now, every one of these these, uh, beatitudes that Jesus lays out for us can seem like a high calling or perhaps even something that we are many degrees separated from. We who live in abundant comfort and privilege, and power in our world today. What do these things mean for us who are rich, for we who have power and influence, for we who are rarely persecuted for our faith, and certainly not to the extent that Jesus is talking about here? I think that these Beatitudes invite us to live for something other than the values of this world. To live not to accumulate wealth, but to build the kingdom of God. To live not to become independent, but to become fully dependent on God to provide all we need. To live uh, to become a blessing to those who are poor. 
to become ones who seek in our own grief, in our own mourning, comfort from God and also offer that peace and comfort to the others in our world who mourn. That we might be about bringing peace and righteousness and justice into this world. You know, God's main purpose in giving us wealth and blessings We usually talk about material blessings as our primary blessings, don't we? Jesus has something else to say here. But when God blesses us with wealth, he never does it for our own sake. He never does it just to enrich us, just to make our lives more comfortable and and, and better in those ways. God's main purpose in giving us wealth is so that we can use that wealth to build his kingdom. So that we can use that wealth to help the oppressed, to help the poor. Now, I'm not just talking about the capital campaign here. Please don't hear me saying that. This is one way of giving to God's work in the world. But, but, but God invites us in so many different ways uh, to, to let go of our grip on our riches and the things that make our life so good so that we might find true treasure in heaven. Someone who I know uh, sums up what Jesus says about riches on earth versus riches in heaven. He, he, he said this, he said, you know, it seems to me that Jesus says that when we die, we can't take the earthly riches with us, but God offers a really good exchange rate. <laughs> Isn't it incredible that we can take things so simple as money, something so basic as a bit of our time and our ability And and actually transform that into kingdom wealth and beauty and goodness in the world. That is mind-boggling to me. That God would use these basic things that are a part of our life, not just to build the kingdom of this world, but to build his kingdom. He turns all that we have into generosity, into love and beauty. Turns it into righteousness and justice and help for those who need it. Can we live according to this constitution? Not that we have to give everything that we have away, but change our posture and find ourselves suddenly freed up to live and find the true blessing that God says is ours in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to invite our preschoolers back into the room. They've been waiting in the back very patiently. And I'm also going to invite our kids who drew some things to come forward and share those with us. So if you have a picture of what life is like in the kingdom, uh, please come forward. And we're going to post those up on our bulletin board here. All right. You can keep on coming up. I'm going to invite each kid just to say your name and then what you drew, okay? What's your name? Let's, hey, Mark, can we turn this on? Thanks. Amy. Your name's Amy. And what did you draw? What is life like in God's kingdom? Um, it looks like this. What did you draw? God's kingdom and someone walking on the side. Somebody's walking on the sidewalk in God's kingdom. Awesome. What's your name? Kelsey. Kelsey. And what did you draw? Poor versus rich. Poor versus rich. Yeah, the God, God values those who give their things away. What's your name? What did you draw? That's okay. Can I see what you drew? I can tell everyone. Oh. You crossed out money, you crossed out books, you crossed out a big fancy house. 
Those are things that God wants to use for his kingdom. What's your name? Micah. What'd you draw, Micah? Um, how good God's kingdom Yeah. Is. Tell us about some of the things you wrote there. Um, there's no guns. There's no bullying. There's no robbers. Yeah. Yeah. No yelling, no stealing, no yeah. anger. Yeah. That's awesome. Would you like to share what you drew? What's your name? Can I see what you drew? Can I share? Oh, we have a bunch of people who are gathered together, and I see hearts over their heads, and they love one another. That's wonderful. Would you like to share what you drew? Calvin and um, no Nintendo and no home and no money. Yeah, and what's that other one there? This one, it's sad. No tears, yeah. There's no, no tears. God's going to wipe away all of our tears. What's your name? Autumn. And I crossed out money and put uh, um, peace and um, Peace love. And, uh, and love. That's awesome. What's your name? Rachel. What did you draw, Rachel? It was like the lesson that we did. Like, What's that? Like, you don't have to look good to, like, impress anyone. Yeah. Or you don't need a lot of money. Uh-huh. And um, you could be, like, good by, like, reading the Bible. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And Patty's going to help you put your pictures right up here on the bulletin board. The kingdom of God is a hard concept for us to understand at any age, I think, uh, because it is so opposite from what the world uh, has. And it's not that the blessings that God, material or otherwise, aren't good things. They're, things just, they're just things not meant to be our ultimate purpose. And so parents, as you process this message with your kids, I'd encourage you to have conversations about that uh, and, and, uh, and help them uh, just lean into how good uh, and, and glorious God's kingdom is and how we should live with open hands dependent on him. I'm going to pray for us as our kids get the rest of their pictures up. God, we thank you that you uh, have given us another way to live Many of us here have been around long enough to know that living the way of this world uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't bring the kind of abundant life that we wish it would. And so, God, I pray that you give us courage to live according to your priorities, according to your constitution. So, God, we gather here today at your table uh, that we, you might be, make us into your people, uh, that you might shape us uh, to truly be the people who are marked by your cross, Jesus, as you gave your life for others, may we do the same. We offer all we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both today and forever. And may you walk in the assurance of that peace wherever today may take you. Amen.